Athletic. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. It's the podcast that really underestimated how long it takes to play half a season. On the show this week, how do you stop all of your players from getting injured all of the time? Or just plain knackered? We're chatting to Andrew James from Sports Interactive about the art of physical conditioning. And speaking of art, how do you fix a problem like Arsenal? We'll also speak to Art de Roche from The Athletic about the absolute madness of asymmetric tactics that somehow he's managed to make work. We've got Alex Stewart off the TIFO for some Bundesliga cliffhangers. And yes, we've got Sunderland too. Bloody Sunderland. First of all, though, let's welcome to the show Andrew James from Sports Interactive. Andrew, for anyone who doesn't know, what exactly do you do all day? Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me on. So I'm the QA lead for training, finances, new gens and long-term progression. So I've got to test the game and make sure as it progresses, everything stays as realistic as possible, basically. Excellent. Excellent. That's what we like, because this is one area of the game that I think gives people quite a few problems. It's not really something you can have a sort of catch-all tactic for. There's not a one-size-fits-all technique to fitness, is there? No, unfortunately, there's not. So I'd say the first thing to mention is that fitness itself is split into three different scores. So you have physical condition, match sharpness and long-term fatigue. These are all affected by player stamina, natural fitness, hidden attributes like injury proneness, and then there's training and match intensity to factor in as well. So there's not one thing that can cover all that for everyone. Now, we used to get a load of messages in the early days of the podcast about this, and we did speak about it a little bit in training, but quite a lot when people say, you know, they're always getting injuries or their players are always exhausted. It's the style of play that's to blame, isn't it? Which tactics really drain your players? Yeah, so anything with a high line of engagement and counter-pressing is always going to drain your players. So gear compressing is the obvious one. And I think everyone loves that tactic because they start a new game, win a few games at the start and think it's brilliant. And then as the game progresses, the fitness catches up with them and it's not quite so easy. So you need squad depth. It's definitely difficult. And I can speak from personal experience if you change your tactics halfway through the season to like a gegen press or a furious counter-attack with, with <laughs> loads of pressing and loads of intensity because that's what I did with Sunderland and managing the players' fitness towards the end was really hard. But if you do start the season playing like that, you can do work with them in pre-season, can't you? What's best? Yeah, so it's best to do that from the start, as you mentioned. So you want to give them a lot of physical endurance training during pre-season. So this helps them get that long-term fatigue attribute as ready as possible. So it gets them fitness in the bank and it means that they're not going to tire as quickly in the latter stages of the season. But obviously players hate doing endurance training. So if you push it too much, then they might not thank you for that. And if you don't do it, but you do insist on playing really intense football, what can you expect to see happening? So yeah, if they're not prepared for it, then the players will become fatigued as the season progresses. And then that causes their physical condition to drop more quickly during matches and they'll need more time to recover from the matches as well. And it all puts your players at more risk of getting injured. So yeah, not good. And when you're playing the game and you, you see your players, what I like to call red hearting, what actually happens to them on the pitch? Do they just start, start to go to pieces? Yeah, so the little hearts are the physical condition representation. And we used to have the percentages and we got rid of those because loads of users would see 89% and think, oh, we need to rest. But in reality, there wasn't really much difference between 100% and 89 
So the new thresholds where the hearts change color is a much better sort of representation of the same thresholds that we use in the match engine. So yeah, obviously as the player becomes more tired, they'll run less, but it also does affect their technique and decision-making. So their all-round performance will drop off as well. So you whip them off the pitch after like 50 minutes because they always get a little boost after <laughs> half time and you want to get them back quickly. Are there any little tricks you can use to get them back to full fitness in time for the next match? Rest and recovery. So get in the training calendar. You'll see how intense the schedule is and you can keep an eye on the overall intensity of the schedule, replace a few physical sessions with less exhausting tactical ones or stick a couple of extra recovery slots in. And how can you prevent injuries popping up in training? Because this is one, again, with Sunderland, everything's with bloody <laughs> Sunderland. In my second season, having a much clearer idea of what kind of football we were going to play, put them on a big fitness push, loads of endurance work, and obviously picked up quite a lot of injuries. How can you prevent it? Are there, are there any little tricks there? Well, you can't prevent all of them, but you can give yourself the best chance of sort of keeping them away by, I think, paying attention to the medical centre. It's a really underrated and underused page because it does tell you which players are the most at risk of getting injured. It highlights recurring injuries players may have, so you can adjust your training and match selections accordingly. But at the end of the day, luck is still the biggest factor and there's no curses in FM, even for Sunderland. So you just <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> um, if, if you have got a player who's... You know, stamina's a bit low um, and he, he just doesn't seem really the right sort of player. Is there, is there stuff you can do? Can you work on their fitness almost sort of, you know, privately to make them more your sort of player? Yeah, so you can work on the fitness. So you can give them strength training, which will help them in physical contact situations, might prevent them picking up knocks. You can train their endurance as well, which will keep their little hearts green for longer. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go about it. But some players will still get injured. <laughs> now, you, you've spoken about it briefly before, but what do you do when your players start whining? Because I have players whining that there isn't enough quickness training. So I go onto the calendar and I, I set two or three sessions of quickness training and, and you know what happens? They moan that there's too much quickness training. <laughs> How do you get the balance right? Can you get the balance right? Or is it just a case that footballers are dicks? <laughs> It sounds like it might be that, actually. But <laughs> no, I'd say players get frustrated when they're putting a lot of time into attributes that they're not seeing improvement from. So quickness in particular is a very hard one to actually improve. So definitely maybe one session to keep them happy is enough. But yeah, in general, it's always going to be impossible to keep everyone happy all the time. So an unhappy fit player is probably better than a happy injured player. So you're just going to have to tell to get on with it. That's a pretty good logic. I like that a lot. Andrew James, thank you so much for joining us today. Cool. Thanks a lot. So, as I'm sure you know by now, this show is made by The Athletic. But did you know that you can listen to this show and all the other athletic shows like the TIFO podcast, the Totally Football Show, Football Clichés, all without adverts on The Athletic app? It's absolutely true. And then you get the mountains of brilliant football journalism all on top. So... Whatever your motivation, subscribe to The Athletic today and use the promo code theathletic.com forward slash gaming because it makes me look good. Oh, and it gets you a year subscription for £3.33 a month. That's important too. So that's theathletic.com forward slash gaming for £3.33 a month. Bargain. The Football Manager Show Community Challenge. All right, it's time for Sunderland. Be honest, you listeners who voted for us to do this, 
Are you regretting it now? Because I gave you nicer options and you didn't listen. And now look at us. Now look where we are. Steve, producer Steve, what are the stats this week? This week, Ian, the stats are, and the options are that you gave to people on Twitter on your poll were, I was sacked, leave me. Sigh, I'm still in League One. Number three was the championship is hard. Four was tough light. Here we come. So I was sacked. Leave me was 19.9% of people. Sigh, I'm still in League One was 18.2%. The championship is hard. It's 32.2% of people. And top flight, here we come, was 29.7%. So sort of 60% sort of promotion success and remaining 40% or so still in the doldrums of either unemployment or League One. But for yourself, Ian, how are you getting on? When we last spoke, I was quite blue as the wheels were coming off and the clown car that is Sunderland Football Club was uh, <laughs> screaming into the into the ravine. We managed to just about get it together through a combination of blind luck and just reducing the tempo and reducing player instructions and just trying to keep it simple. And on the last day, we sneaked into second place. So we did go up. I was then given £6 million to spend, but given everything that's happened at the club, I didn't really think it was appropriate to spend it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I brought in about 14 players for a combined total of about three hundred grand. Oh, my God. Um, wow. And a couple of low knees. And uh, we're top of the table, uh, only after six games, because unfortunately I haven't been able to put in any more time than that this week. We're doing something very big on TIFO that's football manager related. That's taken all my time. More on that later. But yeah, we're, we're looking all right. I think results are flattering us a bit. Mm. I would still expect us to come sort of 8th, ninth, 10th, that kind of place. But I'll, I'll be happy with that. I only ever wanted a season of consolidation. Um <laughs> How's everyone else doing from the look of our mailbag? So rummaging into the mailbag for specifically Sunderland and things, Mark Cark Nielsen writes, you won't believe this. I've had success with Sunderland and written a lot about it, but my computer chose to die. (laughs) I need a new hard drive, so I'm set back horribly. I'm absolutely gutted. Now, this is one of those. Is this, first of all, I'm choosing to believe March here, and it's obviously terrible, but there is a slight vibe of my dog ate my homework. (laughs) Well, to it as well. well I, you know I, mean? I have actually met March because he came from Denmark to, I think, Leeds for a football manager competition I was running a few years ago. He's a lovely man, so I absolutely trust in his honour here. And also, speaking of someone who had a graphic driver crash with Sunderland, wiping out a perfectly good month of results, <laughs> so I feel his pain. Um, but he'll, he'll be back, doubtless. Uh, is anyone doing really well? So, Tom Lyon is pushing hard for back-to-back promotions. He's currently third with Fabio Silva and Jack Byrne on fire. So, the t- so that Tom is doing nice. great stuff. And John Byrne has actually won the league with Nicholas Bentner and Chris Maguire in fine form. Bloody hell. Uh, yeah, quite, quite. Nicholas Bentner's come up for a few people, hasn't he, in terms of like the lovely little uh, unexpected transfer. And I'm glad to hear for John has been successful. So yeah, some success for people, but obviously for March, a terrible hard drive crash. And so our sympathies go out to you. But as importantly, Ian, do we have another winner this week from the mailbag? We do, we do. It's Robbie Scherer, who was on the show earlier, Robbie, Robbie with the dog. Ah. He took the turkey job, kept the Sunderland job, took the turkey job as well, because, you know, Sunderland's not nearly difficult enough for Robbie. <laughs> but he, he won the European Championships. That's that's amazing. Uh, he says he fluked it, but I actually looked at his results, and um, there, there's no fluke here. He's he's won that the hard way. And bless him, he's, he's offered to send over the save file so I can check that he hasn't cheated. Uh, Robbie, your honour, your credit is good here. 
completely trust you. Uh, won the European Championship with Turkey. So he is now a European champion who will be managing Sunderland in the championship in 2021-22. So congratulations, Robbie. As soon as I'm allowed back into the office, I will pull out a Jurgen Klopp book uh, by Rafa Honigstein. It's brilliant if you get a chance to, to have a read and get that in the post for you. Coming up next, if you thought Sunderland was hard, you should try Arsenal. Athletic podcast listeners and especially fans of the Totally Football Show, here's some exciting news if you're that way inclined. The Totally Football Yearbook is the definitive chronicle of the not particularly easy to say 2020-2021 season and it will look absolutely ravishing on your bookshelf. It'll have features, season reviews, stats, quizzes and plenty more, plus a foreword from Jamie Carragher and lots of the good stuff from your favourite athletic writers, including Nick Miller, Rafa Honigstein and James Horncastle, and people like Daniel Storey, Duncan Alexander and Julian Laurent from Team Totally. The Totally Football Yearbook is out on August the 5th and you can pre-order your copy wherever you get your books today. The Football Manager Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Right, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Art de Roche from The Athletic. Art, for those who don't know you already, what exactly do you do all day? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me. And for those who aren't sure on who I am or what I do, um, I'm an Arsenal writer, so part of the team with um, obviously James McNicholas and Amy Lawrence covering all the chaos that is Arsenal Football Club. It's wonderful because I used to cover Arsenal between 2007 and 2010. It's like a slowly unfolding Alan Bennett sketch, isn't it? Like a <laughs> defiantly optimistic character, keeping their chin up, even though we can all see what's tearing them apart. You must be like I was in those days where you just you just want to step in, stage an intervention and go, buy a good goalkeeper, buy a good defender, <laughs> whatever it is that they need that season. And I'm guessing that's what's led you to play so many seasons with Arsenal. That as well as the fact that literally every football manager game that I get, the first save is always Arsenal because... But again, for those who don't know, I am an Arsenal fan as well. There is that, I guess, emotional connection with certain players, especially like once you're in the football manager's save, I have a really tough time selling the academy graduates. <laughs> so that's that's something that I found over the years. And even obviously it's not as deep as that in real life because obviously players have to be sold on and stuff like that. So that as well as actually bringing in players that you'd like to see. That's something where I guess having it all in your own hands is a major positive. <laughs> I don't know if it's the ultimate football manager challenge, but it is a really interesting challenge taking a team like Arsenal that has all of the components you need to be the biggest team in the world. Obviously hasn't been the biggest team in the world. I mean, probably since the 1930s. But it's high pressure, isn't it? Because you've not really got much margin for error. Does that, I mean, in the game, actually, so if we're talking FM21, the board expectations are actually surprisingly low <laughs> in the first season, at least. And then, of course, you've got, I guess, as you do better, and you should do better if you're Arsenal on FM, <laughs> the expectations do get higher. But I do think that even with that challenge, I think for me rather than just being someone who's, okay, let's make Arsenal the best team in the world, sign like the best player every summer. I kind of prefer to build an actual squad that's going to last me, say, seven, eight years and see how that 
does. That's kind of where where I get my joy out of it. Similar to, I guess, the Wenger days where you had pretty much the same team for ages, if that makes any sense at all. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Arsenal and joy in the same sentence doesn't make any sense. But how do you do it? How do you fix a problem like Arsenal? Uh, For me, it was... um, I know a lot of people are expecting me to bring up the asymmetrical formation now, but that didn't actually come in until I was maybe four seasons deep into my current Arsenal save. So at the start, I actually kept Mesut Ozil, (laughs) which um, obviously is the first thing that's quite opposite to what happened in real life. And yeah, I kept most of the basic squad disabled the first transfer window as well. That's something I do on most of my saves. And then from there, just tried to find a system that worked for me, which was 4-4-2 diamond because of Aubameyang and Lacazette. And that's how I scored most of my goals, really having that two striker formation. And then from there, I think I only just snuck into the Champions League in my first season. And that just allows, allows you the, I guess, room to explore. And then a few seasons later, that's when, that's when I decided to go a bit more experimental with the asymmetrical formation, which obviously had the uh, right wing back pushed up, a defensive midfielder, a Metzala in, in central midfield, and then basically two number 10s and two strikers, which sounds like it shouldn't make sense at all. But I mean, it's worked for me. And I think a few people tried it out as well and it worked for them. So there is some sort of logic behind the madness we're going to retweet the article that, that you've done about <laughs> asymmetric tactics it's really worth a look the the tactic is so mad it's like someone has just sort of collapsed on the keyboard and uh, <laughs> positions have been assigned at random but it it worked didn't it because you know you you talk about the sort of slow conventional struggle with slow conventional tactics so what, what's happened in the next five seasons you've played so um I had already won the Premier League by the time I, I, I moved to that system. So that's kind of what gave me the license to do it, I guess. And to be fair, I, I think in the four seasons I used it, I won the Premier League twice and the Champions League once. So the Champions League was actually the last trophy I needed to win. And that came in 2028. <laughs> and... For the most part, it works quite well because the right wing back actually scores a surprising amount of goals because obviously there's no uh, winger there, but also because he's coming from so deep, he's hardly ever marked. So that was Tariq Lamptey for me, but also Reese Nelson as well, <laughs> which again, sounds like it shouldn't work, but Reese Nelson actually played quite well as a wing back for me. Nice. Now, you mentioned earlier that you, you disable the first transfer window. Now, this is something I, I've always done, and yeah. I've always done it because that way I can convince myself that the first half of the first season is basically work because, you know, <laughs> it's research. You, you become more acquainted with, with other players. Why do you do it? Similar reason to you. I think also just to keep it much more realistic rather than just splashing out in the first summer on whichever player Arsenal or whatever club it is are linked linked to. I prefer to kind of keep it, yeah, a bit more realistic. And then also say um, if it is a club that has a decent academy, you can actually just bring through some players from there. Not just Arsenal, of course. I think um, in uh, Save I'm Doing with Nice, which I've been streaming on Twitch, uh, I've promoted a few players from their second team that have actually done quite well for me. Yeah, have you have you spotted any diamonds? Because that can be a rich furrow to plough, can't it? 
Yeah, I'm not sure if, if this guy would count as a diamond, but his name is Alexis Cholet. He's a central midfielder. And first of all, I, I was using him in the Europa League and he did quite well for me. And he's also done pretty decent when I've used him in the league. Another central midfielder, I think his name is Hashim Boudawi, who's come through their youth setup. I think he was already in the first team, but he was just a player that was very young. So he's another one that's been getting a lot of minutes for me that probably wouldn't have done if if I had the first summer activated. And you actually have to do a lot more work, which makes it worth a bit more, I think. Now, the thing I really love about managing in France is that at certain clubs, you you can get your you manage your second team and they actually play in a, a normal division, which is something I'm vehemently opposed to in England. But, you know, <laughs> if, if you're handed the opportunity, you may as well make hay. Um, oh, as the athletic gaming content moves from its sort of soft launch beta stage into being fully up and running, I suspect we're going to see a lot more of your both your writing and your streaming. In the meantime, where can we find more of you? I'd probably say I'm most active on Twitter. So if people listening just search uh, Art de Rocher on Twitter, you'll find me there. Also, you'll find me on The Athletic, obviously, uh, with uh, my Arsenal articles, which are mostly based around tactics and stuff like that. And you can also find me on uh, The Athletic's Arsenal podcast, Handbrake Off. Well, as one old Arsenal reporter to the new generation of Arsenal reporter, I can recommend deep breaths, long walks and rage therapy if nothing else works. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. The Football Manager Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Okay, it's time for the mailbag, the non-Sunderland section of the mailbag. Producer Steve, what have we got? Okay, so obviously we know how cruel this game can be to us and, and that suffering is just part of it. So we thought we would put a bit of positive news into the mailbag as well. And it comes in the form of Freddie Webb, who says, I've played football manager on and off since 05 when he was aged eight years old and have loved the series ever since. But in all that time, this is my greatest ever achievement. And this is winning the league and cup double with Dynamo Dresden in his first season. So after all since 2005. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Although Dresden have an illustrious history of trophies from the German Democratic Republic, that's East Germany to, to his friends, and a passionate fan base behind them, they have never won the DFB Pokal. And they generally bounce between Bundesliga 2 and Bundesliga 3. Of course, never won the Pokal, which is obviously the German Cup. Until now. Until now. And Freddie used tactics which suited the players that he had and good dressing room management. And he was able to achieve the most unlikely of victories, even beating hated rivals RB Leipzig along the way. So congratulations to Freddie and his Dynamo dress and save there. Nice. Alray has also been in touch and says, Good morning, Ian. I listened to the podcast on Spithousery. Spithousery, Spit, that's what Spit we called it. Spithousery. And decided to implement some of the suggestions on my new AC Milan save. Well, it went brilliantly. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We're doing something right, aren't we? Doing something right. So thanks very much to uh, CJ Ransom as well for that, those tips in an episode. You can check on the feed a few episodes back as well. But yes, Ore won the league despite scoring just 45 goals and only conceding 13. <laughs> Now that's a proper like Spithousery nice win, isn't it? Like Mourinho-esque, especially in Serie A as well. Almost like the, the division for Spithousery, isn't it? Yeah, Some might yeah say. That's, that's the mothership. The mothership, exactly. Um, so, so his top scorer was Latan with just 11. Ori lost only two games all season and they were both 1-0 losses. 
won the league with 95 points and had a lot of nil-nil draws. Again, a real spithousery trope there. He drew all of his away matches to the big teams and prioritised winning at home. And it was a really nice experiment. Thanks very much. Well, thank you, Ari, for writing in. Yeah, and and as you say, all credit to CJ Ransom there for you know, laying out that master plan and uh, fantastic to hear that it works. Uh, if you've got anything you want to get off your chest about Football Manager, you can contact us. It's imacintosh at theathletic.com or just follow on Twitter where it's Ian underscore games. That's Ian with two eyes. Don't forget that bit. The Football Manager Show Bundesliga Challenge. And now, Clogging up your bathwater like a discarded rubber duck, but maybe that duck meant something to someone, and maybe if you looked after it, it wouldn't have that disconcerting green film across the bottom of it. It's the FM Bundesliga Challenge. How are you, Alex Stewart? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you? Well, I tell you what, let's get the spoiler alert out the way. If you wait until Friday for the publication of the uh, FM Bundesliga Challenge and you do not want that experience to be spoiled, then stop listening to the podcast now. That's why we put it right at the end. With that warning duly released. Oh, God. (laughs) Just why? It's just I, I, I hate this game. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. No, I can no, imagine you don't. It's fine for me. <laughs> if you've if you've missed a couple of episodes, we are approaching the end of season two, and Alex has pulled out of a nosedive to suddenly pile pressure on the Champions League places. I was in a Champions League place and indeed a title race, and have gone into the final few games of the season and failed to win any of them. It's fallen apart like a game of football manager can really, really fall apart. And I'm not sure what to do about it, Alex. I'm going to be honest. It's not really your fault, is it? I mean, you, you've you had some sort of injury conflagration kind of every couple of months and this happens, doesn't it? And there's there doesn't seem to be a huge amount that one can do to avert these occasions. I mean, I, I've had a couple myself and um, Awuja, my centre-back, seems to be drifting in and out of fitness currently. But I don't know, if you get like six, seven first-team players like you've got that are you know, flat on their back, what are you supposed to do? And unfortunately for you, it's just come at possibly the worst time it could have done. It's just something else. Markouf got injured, but he, he hadn't scored since January anyway, so that's a striker. Moriba, the golden boy got injured in the run-in, um, so that's a kicker. Astazic at the back, who basically always gets 7 out of 10, um, he's out for the rest of the season. Ralph Farman, the goalkeeper, he's out for the rest of the season. Uh, but to be honest, it's not that. I mean, we, we, we've we just had games... I mean, you you actually were watching the game against, I think, Hoffenheim, where Mark Oof had four one-on-one chances. Uh, on his return to the team and smashed every single one of them into the midriff of the goalkeeper. I have to say, I've got Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich in my final three fixtures, along with Bayer Leverkusen. If I were a betting man, I would be betting on you getting fourth and me getting fifth. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I've I've still got Cologne away on the last game of the season and Cologne are obviously the... As we've said before, they're the surprise package this season. They're currently in second, I think. Also, Wolfsburg away is a tricky fixture. So I'm realistically, I'm targeting three points out of the remaining nine. And that should guarantee Europa League football, which would be 
quite an achievement, I think, for a side that were only promoted into the Bundesliga last season. Yeah, I mean, this, this is it. If you if you step back from it, you were in a relegation battle last season. Yeah. And you're very, very likely to have European football and quite possibly Champions League football. I wasn't in a relegation battle, but I was basically seventh for nine months. But also, Schalke was... I mean, if you, if you look at the situation Schalke was in when you took over, like a really, really ageing and not great squad massive financial problems you know it's kind of the 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 real life Schalke imploded and was relegated in that season so for you to have been genuinely pushing Bayern Munich for top spot for pretty much the entirety of this season is an achievement and I, I always feel like the games that we play where it's the two of us network games they they do seem to be harder than the games that you play on your own uh, maybe your Sunderland save aside, <laughs> and, and I never, I never feel as confident or as comfortable playing a network game as I do if I've just got a save running on my Todd. Why do you think that is? Is it is it just that you feel trapped? Because when you're playing a network game, you have to keep to a schedule. You can't run away from it. You can't just go. I'm really not enjoying it anymore. I don't want to play it. You just have to keep plowing on. Yeah, I think it's partly that, and I also think it's partly that when you're running your own save you can take a week away from it and and it relaxes you and then maybe you come back with some fresh ideas you've got a bit more time to tinker you've got a bit more time to I don't know scout like uh, my transfers have been good this season I'm really really happy with them but uh, yeah it just feels like there's this this added pressure and then when you get into that spiral that run of games that isn't working you're immediately in that very conflicted position of, do I change everything? Do I not? And you've got this added pressure. Whereas if you're playing on your own, you can just go, okay, I've lost a game. I'm going to step away for a couple of hours or a week or a month. And, <laughs> or forever. Well, yeah, but you never do that, do you? Um, but you, yeah, you have <laughs> that regrouping. Crusader thing. Kings 3 doesn't make me feel like this. Well, no, you introduced me to that a little bit yesterday. And I have to say, it's an intriguing proposition. I tell you what, when we get the athletic behind us on that one, whoo, we're going to have some fun. If you want to read all about that football manager, not Crusader Kings, that will be live on the athletic on Friday, which may already be today, depending on when you're listening. And you know how to subscribe to the athletic, theathletic.com forward slash gaming. Couldn't pick a better time to start a subscription with the new season right around the corner. Alex, thank you so much. Uh, always a pleasure, Ian. Never a chore. And that's it. And that really is it for the rest of August, at least. We're going to take a short hiatus to stake our own happiness on the vagaries of the British weather system. We'll be back on September the 1st, when we'll start looking ahead to the release of Football Manager 2022. Your guests today were Andrew James from Sports Interactive, Art de Rocher from The Athletic, Alex Stewart of The Tifo, your producer was Steve Hankey, and I will continue to be Ian McIntosh until further notice. Athletic.